0: And that jarring cacophony tells you you're listening to the Power of Three podcast, where three lifelong Doctor Who fans, I'll introduce them to you shortly, discuss, enthuse, and occasionally criticise a trio of products related to our favourite show. That might be televised adventures, both classic and recent. It could be spin off novels, books about the show, biographies, magazines, basically anything that gives us the excuse to talk about Doctor Who. And now to introduce you to my co conspirators. Say hello, David.
1: Hello, David here. Um, the earliest Dalek thing that I can ever remember is a clip from the Daleks' invasion of Earth 2150 AD on screen test. Kenny. Hello, I'm Kenny. And I quite like Destiny of the Daleks' story structure.
0: And my earliest memory of the Daleks was the final battle in Evil of the
2: Daleks. Show off, amazing. Well, just, I'm just showing That's off how old I am. I'm so jealous. We have all seen the clips though, Tom, so you're not that special.
0: <laughs> yeah, but on broadcast though? Come on, come on.
1: <laughs> no, Tom wins.
0: The subject for today's podcast is slightly unusual, slightly contrived, and I'll explain after you listen to this.
2: Coming soon, Daleks: The Ultimate Adventure. Behold, our target, the
1: planet Earth, is in our sights. We will subjugate the Earthlings. They shall bow down before the might of the. It was a time of crisis, it was a time of peril. Nothing in the world can stop us now! (laughs) But in a time of perils and crises, one man shall emerge to be the saviour of us all. What is that ominous sound? Hate these guys. Oh no,
2: it is the Doctor Scarpa, 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 Scarpa.
0: So here is what TARDISFANDOM.com says about Jubilee. Jubilee was the 40th story in Big Finish's monthly range. It was written by Robert Shearman and featured Colin Baker as the Sixth Doctor and Maggie Stables as Evelyn Smythe. It was the second encounter with the Daleks for companion Evelyn Smythe. It was also the story that author Robert Shearman would use as the basis for his television story Dalek two years later when Doctor Who returned to television screens. Of course, the subject of this episode is Doctor Who episodes where there's only a single Dalek in them. So who's going to tell me about Jubilee Kenny?
2: I love Jubilee now back in the day, back this was released back in January 2003, this was Big Finish's 40th monthly range release and there was no particular proclamation about saying here we go, this is going to be something special. We got a story with the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn encountering the Daleks again and I remember at the time thinking Evelyn meeting the Daleks again so soon, it hasn't been that long really since they first met in the apocalypse element and how wrong I was. Here we got a story that was rather special written by Robert Shearman who by that point had already established himself with two scripts as one of the Doctor Who writers to watch after The Holy Terror and of course The Chimes of Midnight. What Rob delivered in Jubilee was taking the best of his story so far and doing something new and completely different and it was absolutely phenomenal. Of course, Jubilee was originally intended as a podcast for the BBC website, Um, but Gary Russell, the producer, spotted there was something in this and thought, actually, we're keeping this one for ourselves, and I'm so glad that he did, because imagine if this had just been a 60-minute story. We probably would have lost the, the definition of this alternate Britain led by Martin Jarvis and his wife, Rosalind. We would have lost an awful lot of the the scenes with Evelyn and the Daleks and would have lost probably an awful lot of Collins outrage and confrontations with the Dalek. What we get is a story that's all about the frailty of the human condition and the Dalek capitalising on it and expanding upon it and playing on the human weaknesses that we all have. I absolutely adore it, the fact that we get such a strong portrait of this alternate Britain created by the fact there are no contractions of language, everything is in full. There's It would be a bit of a a pain for journalists, of course, to work in a world like that, where you can't do words like that. I was just about to
0: say, Davy. please tell us what you think of Jubilee without
1: using any word (laughs) contractions. Jubilee is very season 22 in as much as it has... <laughs> I'm trying, so like a do, wee, no pause, yeah. do not pause, do not do Um oh heck, can I try? It's like what? a parlor game, isn't it? It is,
2: right. Is not it. Is and it I'm not? <laughs> I think for the rest of the discussion we should use no contractions as we discuss Jubilee. Okay, we can try. Okay. Go for it.
1: Now I listened to it again. It had been the first time I'd listened to it and did you say two thousand three was released? It was indeed. So I don't ah uh, fail. I do not think it had been as long <laughs> as that since I had last listened to it. Um, I've got a feeling, and I have a feeling that it may have only been around four or five years since I had last listened to it. But I was surprised. I was surprised at how much I had forgotten. Um, it has that real season 22 sense of really quite visceral nastiness at points like excuse me interrupting but if you are going to
0: reference season 22 can you please explain to listeners who are not as obsessive as you are what season 22 is and why
1: you think this is like it certainly season 22 was the first colin baker first full series Colin baker than as the Doctor it was shown 1985 and it's kind of defined or is remembered Fail, it is <clears throat> is it um, I'm, I'm just going to abandon I'm not going to be able to do this at oh, all am I not supposed to give you a slap across I the face oh, now probably. or something <laughs> no, take that <laughs> <it. laughs> the rules are being made up as, as we go along here season 22 is kind of renowned for some quite violent imagery mm-hmm. and some slightly sadistic sort of Storytelling moments and Jubilee has those as well, which is it's one it is one thing I think that Big Finish excels at. Yeah, let, let's drop the right, whole. yeah. It's one thing. That, it's one thing that Big Finish excels at. I think in their um their past Doctor is it's really recapturing the atmosphere and the ethos and the sense of the the broadcast era that the stories are set in. Um, and this this story for me, I was really struck by its its season twenty two in ness. You know, the doctor lose, the the alternate doctor, who um has had his legs amputated. That was grotesque. I couldn't believe that. I'd Forgotten about that. I was just you know listening to it on the train on the way home from work the other day, and I was like, oh god, it was horrible. And the scene when is it Pharaoh and Lamb, the Daleks kind of goading them into, is it goading Faro into killing Lamb or vice versa? Yeah. that was horrible because the briggsy has got a line when he says, you know, hope, you know, force the knife into his throat. And I was going, this is, oh my goodness. It was as bad as Oscar being stabbed in the chest or, you know, the guy, the security guards falling into the acid bath. It was grotesque. It was horrible. But, you know, it was, it was very authentic. I don't know if there
2: was originally any intention of having the doctor in the wheelchair being akin to the Dalek.
1: In, in the way yeah, he's moved around. That's interesting, that's a good point.
2: Uh-huh. Have there been other big finish?
0: Obviously, uh, Martin Jarvis has appeared in, with with
1: Colin Baker's. Right. Right. I mean, he's, he's in Barros,
2: yeah. Um, but has he appeared in any other big finish? No, that was the one, because um, he's a good friend of Rob Sherman, and right. he and his wife Rosalind have their own theatre company, and they've commissioned Rob to do work. So, this was a case of Rob saying, Well, I've done this, would you like to come in? So, he got a co director credit. I had the pleasure of interviewing him a few years ago. He came to the Boswell Book Festival in AIR and I did my very professional chat with him, got the proper interview done. And then I got, I dropped in at the end. And I have to say, you've done a great amount of work over the year. Um, I, you know, I've loved the, the many things, your Jack and Ori readings, but my absolute favourite is your appearance <laughs> as a giant space butterfly in the yes, white planet. And he knew I was joking, of course. Of but, course, uh, yeah. That was uh, it was a good bit of fun. He was yeah. a very, very nice man. He's in, um, he's in a Jonesy story as well. Yes, Invasion of a Dinosaurs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, Tom, you've, um, obviously you've you've heard Jubilee before as we are talking off mic. And how did you find it, particularly as you were somebody who's as a newcomer to a companion like Evelyn? I, I think this, from memory, was the first uh, adventure
0: I listened to that had Evelyn in it. I didn't listen entirely in order. I, I was intrigued. I, I knew from... You know, reading various articles that Jubilee was the inspiration for Dalek, so I was curious to to listen to Jubilee, and to recognise the similarities with Dalek, but also the, the significant differences. Uh, I I immediately took to Evelyn. I think she's a fantastic companion. It's it's wonderful for the Doctor to have an older companion, not just a, you know, a young, attractive female, but obviously Evelyn is a professor of history at Oxford, Cambridge. And th- that that makes her, you know, her relationship with Colin Baker is is terrific. And, and when it's well written, it's really well written. And Sherman does nail that, I think. Also, Colin Baker is actually one of my favourite doctors from the classic era. I know he gets a lot of criticism. But from the minute he he took over from Peter Davison, I really enjoyed watching him. He did, of course, overact occasionally. Overacting? Overacting?! <laughs> But I I liked him. I hated his costume. I liked the way he portrayed the the, the doctor. So so jubilee for me is just a lot of great. You know, Shimon as a writer, um, Evelyn Smythe as the as the companion, Colin as the doctor, uh, Martin Jarvis is just fantastic as the president. You just want to. Put your fist through the radio and <laughs> grab him by the throat. He's a misogynist, you know. How many Doctor Who episodes, adventures have you got where there is wife beating, almost as a gag, but yeah. not as a gag. It's, yeah. it's done more, more respectfully than that. It's not remotely misogynist. I think
1: it helps
2: highlight just what horrible character is the fact that he, you know has dwarfs as well and uh-huh. keeps yeah. them inside
1: Daleks. Would you I mean would you use the term black comedy? Yeah, certainly, because yeah. I think that that covers a lot of. Stuff yeah. in Collins yeah. first TV It's, it's TV. very very warped.
0: And I only recently listened to the Holy Terror for the first time, and mm. I said something about it on Twitter, and Rob kindly responded to me because I just love the Holy Terror. I, as soon as it's the only big finish adventure. I like a lot of them, but it's the only one I've listened to where at the end of it I felt like rewinding it and just listening to the very beginning and all over mm. again, because it is it's for me it's one of the perfect Doctor Who adventures I've heard yeah. since Big Finish it's, started. It's one of those
1: things that if I'm um, one of those stories that if Colin had had it on television yes you know absolutely things would have been, been given the chance to have it on television because yeah. he's got so much potential Colin that he's just not he's never
2: allowed to realize it. he was never given his full journey the fact yeah. that we've got the spiky doctor to start with and then as time goes on and he softens and becomes more humanized again akin to Capaldi the way that he was allowed to do that, but that's another story for another Well, maybe day.
0: at some point in the future, we'll talk about Twin Dilemma and how one episode earlier, the Fifth Doctor sacrifices his life to save Perry, and then one episode later, he's trying to throttle her. In the. I can just interrupt you there,
2: Tom. I've um, recently discovered that my friend, Andrew's mum's sister, she was subject to a criminal investigation But the police found there was nothing to answer in the case of Andrew's auntie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What else do you want to say about Jubilee then? It kind of starts the trend of doing interesting Dalek stories rather than just a story when the Daleks are kind of killing and exterminating and doing what they do best. Which leads us inevitably, I guess, into this.
0: a great big museum.
1: An alien museum. Someone's got a hobby. The cage contains my one living specimen. Must
2: have fallen through time, the only survivor. He's killing him! Do something! I swear, no one on this base is safe. You've got to keep it in that cell. He can't get out, that lock's got a billion combinations. The civilians, let him through! He's going to kill every last one
1: of us. What's the nearest town? Salt Lake City. Population? One million. All dead. If you want orders, follow this one. Why don't you just die? We're
2: really, then? Give us two seconds.
1: I've come to help.
2: I'm the Doctor. Exterminate! Impossible.
0: Exterminate. Kenny, what does
2: TARDISFANDOM.COM say about the 2005 episode Dalek? Dalek was the sixth episode of series one of Doctor Who. It was the first appearance of a Dalek in the revived series and the debut of companion Adam Mitchell. The story was adapted from Robert Sherman's audio story Jubilee. Narratively Dalek was the first major look at the last great time war's destructive scope on both the Dalek species and the Doctor himself and the severity of the guilt and rage in the ninth Doctor that lingered onward after he personally ended the war by causing an intolerable amount of death. It was here that his feelings of disgust reached a boiling point and he found an ominous parallel with his most hated foe. Davey, talk to us.
1: Now, Dalek was the um, had a job to do. Doctor was brought back in 2005. The initial episodes had gone out and were very well received. it was all very exciting, and an then but Russell very cannily had kept the Daleks back rather than putting them in the first episode. He kept them back to the you know half roughly halfway through the series so that they had another sort of draw to try and attract attract viewers, and it's there to sort of reestablish the Daleks um, as a as the Doctor's sort of you know big bad his his main enemy, and it, I think it does it really really well. It had been, it'd been, I think, 17 years since the Daleks had last been on television, and it had been a long time since they'd really been in the public consciousness as anything other than maybe, I think, a bit of a joke. So they had been Kat adverts, um, you know, using them. And the, the, the horrible sort of white wee-wee sort of joke, what, There was, a, was that Channel 4 programme? From Victor Lewis Smith. Yeah, all, all that sort of stuff. So this was, a, this was a story that was sort of tasked to sort of do away with all of that. To kind of just remind people that the Daleks were were Daleks, and so you 've got the um the very bare bones of the of of jubilee of one single solitary surviving Dalek you know being locked up and being sort of experimented on and treated badly and and things and that but taken in a new direction which allows which shows the audience that one Dalek on its own is you know is almost undefeatable, is is dangerous and deadly, so I think you know after this there was you know even though they'd shown them climbing stairs and Sylvester's Dalek story, there was we'd still had jokes about that. And um, there's a bit when when Todd from Cory sort of gets to to shout at the Dalek, you know, the most you know evil being in the universe and delete, you know, defeated by a flight of stairs. And it and they had to do that again. They had to show that the Daleks could go upstairs just to avoid the obvious jokes being made. I think it succeeds absolutely, um, in sort of bringing the Daleks back for the, the modern era. Um, it gives Billy lots to do. You know, um, sort of again, similar to what Evelyn did in Jubilee, where she sort of empathizes with the Beast a little bit, and and it it really lets Eccleston sort of you know go off the hook because we hadn't he would previously been you know pretty well contained, but the scenes where he sort of you know finds the Dalek in the cell and you know that you can tell the doctor's terrified, and he knows what's at stake, so it's it's interesting when everyone else is kind of you know calling it the Metatron and not taking it seriously that the doctor is absolutely terrified and that all also works really well at just sort of establishing what a threat they are for the, for the new audience
0: it wasn't just the fact that the show had been off air for 17 or 16 years that made people you know either not remember the daleks or not remember how much of a threat they were the last few appearances of them setting aside remembrance of the daleks where they were genuinely a threat again but before that i mean resurrection yes. of the daleks was was not particularly good adventure and the Daleks moved so slowly they hesitated they they killed so few people they were easily destroyed you know they weren't a threat anymore I remember reading the novelization of Daleks Invasion of Earth and being reminded about the the the, the rebels in London and deserted London about the efforts they were going to, to try to kill Daleks and you know using the Dalekian bombs and it was a key part of the plot that Daleks were very difficult to destroy. And then by the time we got to 1985, 86, you know, nobody cared about Daleks. You know, They just they, they weren't a threat at
2: all anymore. Yeah. And that's what I think this did perfectly. It's, I mean, as Dave said, creating the, the the slot midway through the season where it effectively becomes your second opening night and to have the Daleks to reintroduce them because, I mean, how easy would it have been to do Doctor Who and the Daleks straight away. That is such an obvious thing to do. But Russell was far more canny than that. And he knew that by positioning it midway through the series, if the ratings had dropped a wee bit, here we go. Here's something that's going to bump them up because everyone of a certain age will remember the Daleks. So brought them in there. Um, And of course, the thing that he wanted to do was to make sure people don't regard them as a joke anymore. And let's be honest, popular culture almost seems to have erased that now. The Daleks can't go upstairs. You don't get jokes about that anywhere. Obviously it's lazy material for stand-up comedians, but if they're talking about Doctor Who, that's not what they do anymore. It's, that joke has gone. So that shows that there was a reintroduced threat to them. And the other thing I really want to mention about is Christopher Eccleston in this is absolutely phenomenal. Obviously he's been cast in this role where he's slightly unfamiliar with playing this type of character. He's not used to playing the the lighter comedy stuff, and because this is a, a Doctor post-Time War, he actually does come across as quite goofy because of that. He's not been used to being a lot more human again, having been fighting constantly in the Time War. So we've got Eccleston, the goofy Doctor we've seen in moments in Aliens of London, whatever, but here we've got him back in his comfort zone where there's a bit more intense drama. Obviously he's not been used to facing off against the metallic pepper pot before, but he is first class in these scenes, particularly the rage and shouting at them, particularly when they were all supposed to have died, I, I think this is him possibly his one of his best episodes in terms of performance.
1: <laughs> fantastic! Oh, fantastic! Powerless. Look at you. The great space dustbin. How does it feel?
2: What for? What are you going to do to me? If you can't kill, then what are you good for, Dalek? What's the point of you? You're nothing. What the hell are you here for? I am waiting for orders. What does that mean? I am a soldier. I was bred to receive orders. Well, you're never going to get any. Not ever. I demand orders they're never gonna come your race is dead you all burn all of you 10 million ships on fire the entire dialect race wiped out in one second You lie. i watched it happen
1: i made it happen you destroyed us it's interesting the um the way the time war is actually dealt with in the episode as well because i think it's the first mention of it since the since the return, I don't think there has been any mention of it. Brief mention of it at the end of The Unquiet Dead, I think it is, um, and the end of the world briefly, but not very much. Yeah, And it's it's the way that um the Doctor sort of is very almost, you know, the last the end of the last Great Time War. And it's very interesting that everything that's been done with that since we you know, innumerable sort of spin off stories told in, you know, BF and in the novels and stuff. And even in the programme a lot a lot more was sort of um made of it it's it was interesting seeing those scenes where they, he talks about it. again given everything that's sort of come from it since what do we think about about the time war
0: well here's a question it's a narrative question i've got another narrative question i want to ask because i'm not quite sure about the logic of this but first of all the time war uh, by this stage in the doctor who narrative all we know is that the daleks and the time lords had a battle and the doctor intervened in some way and killed everybody. Oops. They all burned. Yeah. Um. How did that h- work? Given that they must at least have left a f- couple of dozen Daleks back in Skarloey. To, to, to yeah, an eye
2: that's, on. that's that's a really good point. Yeah, I think um the whole pl- I think the original idea was that Time Lords are all gone and there's only one Dalek and that's it. But of course, obviously, we later find out that um, the Daleks cheat, in uh, tenants first season. Um, but I, I, I still I love the idea of the fact that the Doctor thinks that this is just him and that last Dalek and it's t- the horror in his face to realise that he, when he thought he was alone and the sacrifice that he had made to take them all out, it had been worth it had been for nothing. And I think that's really quite a horrific concept, you think you've given up everything that you know and again this is obviously relating it to a human experience which Russell does brilliantly, everything you thought you'd given up for and it's been for nothing. The other narrative question I was going to ask is
0: correct me if I'm wrong here, but the reason the Dalek escapes and is rejuvenated is because Rose, who has travelled through the time vortex, touches him on,
1: on his head. Yes. Heed, right. Head being um, a Scottish word for napper, and noggin, so, and bonds.
0: So, can we assume then that every Dalek? Uh, adventure every invasion every plot by the Daleks could have been foiled if only a couple of the Doctor's companions rushed out the Tardis and tapped them on the bones, thereby making them all convert to, to be basically humans and then and then they'd all kill themselves. Tom, I, th-
1: I think I think that's that's the seed of your own big finished box set right, right there. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're extrapolating I'd, far too much. I um I pay twenty three <laughs> pounds. to See how that plays out. No, it's that's a good point. It's interesting, but it's I think maybe. I don't know. Would you would you can would you try and argue a case that maybe the Daleks developed this technology or something? Because Mickey does something similar in um in Doomsday, does he not? Or yeah, I, mean, I think it's because ones? they've been they've
2: travelled in time they've, and you know, they've been isolated and it, and there's nothing else there. They've tried to assimilate what's around them but then they need that bit of temporal energy and yeah. chronon influx. And sure. then there we go. I'm making this up as I go along, I think, but it yeah, sounds I good, I
0: think. It's, it's, yeah. as, it's, it's, it's as believable as anything, yeah. but it does seem to be a slightly, a slightly simplistic way of converting a Dalek. In, in Evil of the Daleks, there was the human factor that they deliberately injected themselves with, and that <clears throat> ended badly. In Dalek... It's a kind of similar thing. It's like Rose gives the human factor to this particular dialect, but the they way stop that
1: being really don't yeah, it's, it's,
0: it yeah. seems a slight of a slight design fault there, Davros. You should
2: maybe th- <laughs> think again there, Davros. If you're listening, you know where to find us. Yeah. Also, something I'd like to mention in this is the performance of Nick uh, Nick Briggs as the Dalek. I think he. I mean, I didn't actually mention we were talking about Jubilee but here he actually gets you to sympathise with the Dalek playing the, the weakness and the frailty in it or obviously, and it is the word playing with the Dalek I, I think he, he just absolutely nails it from the word go you can tell why the cast and crew all loved him in this the way they were, the way he managed to bring out humanity in a Dalek which uh, obviously isn't the most easy of things to do I just think in terms of your performance
1: which is purely in the voice I think it's the first class. It's I mean, it is a performance, that's it. It's um it's probably the first time that a Dalek has you know, been performed rather than just sort of voiced. Performed rather than played. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's um, you know
0: We talked in the last episode, Ken, about your daughter Katie being upset by the appearance of a an actual Dalek, you yep. know, uh, model in Glasgow. Um I'm just reminded that my older son uh, now he couldn't have been any more than about three or four when I allowed him to watch this episode on DVD and at the end of it he wasn't scared at the end of it he was in sobs of tears he was so moved by and, and I totally understood why because it is a very moving scene but yeah. he was beside
2: himself with grief for the Dalek oh, when they died oh that's yeah. a shame I never heard that before that's a, that is incredible
1: mm-hmm.
2: so, but, and that's again it just shows you that's the strength of the performance in fact actually the physicality what Barnaby Edwards does in the casing is good as well. And obviously, he gets, you get to move it around, and you can't particularly portray emotion. But even just simple things like the use of the eye stock, the gun stick, and the sucker stick, just to be able to manipulate them, and it's and it, there is a subtlety. It just shows you that you do need to be an actor to play these parts, even if
1: you are stuck inside a bonded polycarbonate <laughs> piece of armor. The the, um, the sucker arms are good, another good reference point as well, because that was another thing that they had long been sort of joked about. Even, you know, John C. we would always make jokes about egg whisks and sink plungers. So the bit when the lad says, what are you, what are you going to do, sucker me to death? And it does. It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, no. <laughs> watching that again the other day. It was like, oh, my goodness. It's but horrible. It, and it's not
0: just the the elevate. It's not just the fact that it flies and electrocutes people. Yeah. Um the bit where its Central Park turns one hundred oh, and eighty degrees and shoots in that direction, yeah. I'd, you know, I'd, no one saw that coming, and no. it was just fantastic. I was privileged in two thousand five, um, just before the general election, to be invited by the BBC with a handful of other MPs to um, to watch a preview, oh. twice actually. I saw I saw Rose twice before it was in television, no um, and they showed us the the trailer for the whole se- the whole season trailer. And so these were, I mean, I was one of the younger MPs there. There's maybe about a dozen of us. Not all particular fans. I don't know why some of them were invited. When was, We watched Rose and then we watched the trailer for the, the whole season. And as soon as the Dalek appears halfway through the trailer, the whole room just started applauding.
2: It was fantastic. It was really great. It's quite incredible to think, though, that we nearly never got the Daleks in this story. It's yeah, yeah, of considering course. Considering we nearly had the toclophane as the baddies of the piece which I don't think it would have had the same impact in, as Rob Sherman went into I think it was draft six, absence of the Daleks.
1: It's quite similar to what's been happening recently with Spider-Man and between Sony and, Mar- yeah. Sony and Marvel. You know, We knew that ultimately this was going to get sorted out. That it would have been nowhere near as effective if they hadn't got the Daleks. I think you know, there was probably a bit of arguing over money going on or something, wasn't there? I
0: think at that stage, having
1: raised expectations about the
0: return of the Doctor in the first place, to have a whole series without even any mention of the Daleks just would have fallen very badly flat, I think.
2: I, I think it's, it's definitely one of the best revived series and definitely one of Eccleston's best episodes as well. Definitely.
0: And the key about Eccleston's response to the Dalek in that pivotal scene where he goes into the dark room and then realises suddenly that it's a Dalek is that if you are a viewer, especially if you're a young viewer and you're watching a character that you love, that you trust, and you see him being scared that's what's scary it's not the monster that's scary it's when you see somebody who's brave and fearless and clever and that you love being scared that sends you a signal that you should be scared as well and that's with cleverness
1: you know it's it's the exact opposite of um, the scene in Destiny of the Daleks when Tom sort of Shouts down to them If you're the mm-hmm. most You know Superior being in the universe Why don't you try climbing up after us But you know It's, it's When well, even you know, At that point when The programme's Taking the mickey out of them
0: But at that point Terry Nation was Taking the mickey yeah. out and them He's forgotten The monster He'd actually created
1: Yeah That became
0: robots In that
1: one Yeah that's right Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah Dalek Dal- Dal- absolutely succeeds At doing what it has to do And um Should we talk about Adam Mitchell no, no. Does he count, do you count Adam as a companion? Yeah. No, he's an ongoing character in a serial <laughs> drama. He's a, no, he's, a, he's
0: a companion.
1: I hated him. He went, he, he travelled in TARDIS. He was in more than one
2: unrelated yeah. episodes. No, I think it's, I mean, I think it is a good idea. I mean, I'm joking aside. I think to show you why Rose is so good and here's somebody who's out for himself. Um,
0: First time uh, we've done that since
2: Turlough.
1: Yes.
0: Who's, you know, a character, a, camp, a companion who isn't all what he appears.
1: yeah. I, I I'm I'm tempted to use a a local dialect sort of description, but I won't because we don't want to upset people. Not local dialect description. Well, it's it's definitely an interesting sort of thing, an idea, and I think it it was one that thing um Russell was quite quite right to do because it, again as Kenny says it sets rose up, it establishes rose, and um it shows that the doctor's not going to take the best, doesn't it? Yeah, I
2: think it, it's it's very it's typical Russell. It's clever. Just to make you realise why you like a certain character so much. The fact that she is selfless, in fact, she's the one who helps the Dalek, whereas Adam very much is out for himself and what he can get it's the whole his whole reason for being in America, after all. Before we move on to the third thing, Kenny,
0: let us hear what your, um, your phone does when you receive a text message. And this is what my phone sounds like when I receive a text message. Tom, I am the doctor. And this is one I recorded for Toby Hedock. Because I was reading Running Along Corridors, Running Through Corridors, and when it got to Seeds of Doom, he expressed a preference in that book. He said, I wish I wish I could have a text message sound that sounded like this, and this is what I made for him.
2: Scorby! Get down
0: With Dalek behind us, the next thing we're going to look at is this.
1: Where the hell have you been?
0: It's not my fault, I got distracted.
1: I walked. You can always find
0: something. Come on.
1: Where are we
0: going? Into darkness. Welcome to the most dangerous place in the
2: universe. They're coming! They're coming!
1: Aristotle! <laughs> the enemy are right on top of us! I'm sorry. Davy, Dark
0: Davey, tell us what TARDISFANDOM.COM says about Into
1: the Dalek. There's plenty to say about Into the Dalek. Into the Dalek was the second episode of series 8 of Doctor Who. It marked the 12 Doctors' first encounter with the Daleks. Danny Pink is also introduced in this episode as well as his background of being an ex-soldier. However, he doesn't interact with the Doctor yet. Also making his first appearance is Cole Hill School Headmaster Mr Armitage, who would would be a recurring character in Doctor Who and its spin-off Class. Featuring the Doctor and Clara leading a miniaturised team inside a Dalek, this story originated as a pitch by Stephen Moffat for a Doctor Who video game before deciding to save the idea for an episode, handing it over to Phil Ford. The episode explores the Doctor questioning whether or not he is a good man, which would be a recurring theme addressed in Series 8. The episode also shows the Doctor's first encounter with the Daleks after the Siege of Trends with the Doctor's hatred for the Daleks shown to have intensified.
0: David, tell us what you think of TARDISFANDOM.com's Harris, summary. You
1: know, oh, heck. you can As Harrison Ford famously said to George Lucas, you can type this expletive deleted, but you can't say it. <laughs> 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 Heavens, man alive. There's some interesting priorities there, isn't there?
0: Okay. I, I love this episode, partly because I just loved
1: Peter Capaldi as the Doctor.
0: I know he's not everybody's favourite. As soon as he was announced as the Doctor, I was punching the air with joy because it was such a perfect casting decision and I and I liked him even in the first series that he appeared because even though a lot of criticism emerged that he was too crabbit which is another scottish word but he was he was just he was, he was a little bit cruel and a little bit hard and he mellowed in the second season but I loved Capaldi in this uh, it seems to me there was a wasted opportunity because at the end of into the dalek when the lone dalek trundles off on his casters to do good in the world there's a clear implication he's going to be back he's going to play mm. a bigger role in the doctor's narrative and and he doesn't apart from you know a cameo, twice uh, upon a time uh, twice yeah. upon a time but that doesn't it it's a bigger deal i think to have a good dalek i mean that is a that's a huge thing in the doctor who universe um, and it seems a shame that it was kind of just shrugged off almost uh, as as non, as not not meaning very much at the end of of twice upon a time. However, for the purpose of
2: this episode, I just thought it was a it was a great idea. And it was a very different take. I mean, obviously, we, we saw the the partly humanized Dalek in Dalek, uh, where it's been obviously affected by Rose, but it still goes around exterminating a whole army, and. And you know, cleverly using the the rainwater, or the the fire, fire drill water when the it blasts up. I think it's very, very cleverly done. It's I mean, even even its appearance, the fact it's symbolic. You can see that its exterminator has been pay, cut and pasted together virtually. It's very, very nicely done. The fact you do get this run-down, ramshackle appearance, which uh, I think is quite fascinating although i do think the doctor nicknaming it rusty i don't think it's very capaldi to me it almost seems that's a bit of a matism. obviously when he had handles Mm -hmm. so i think that was something that i didn't think it didn't quite work for me that but um again capaldi is just phenomenal this i mean the man was born to play the doctor you can tell these his credentials are first class he knows how to exactly how to bring out the the Doctor's reaction to a Dalek every single time.
0: Of course, I would say that not everyone who uh, is a high-profile fan in the past automatically is qualified to necessarily be involved in the production of the show. But anyway, the, moving on.
2: Yeah, we don't want you to get chipped here, so just be careful. <laughs> chipped being a Scottish word for attacked oh, with a weapon. Um, That's not going in. No. Is it not? Oh, it kind of not <laughs> I'm Can I just say one be, other thing? i to
0: recover here. I mean, we, we like to talk about what inspires these, these shows. Um, it would be remiss of me, uh, you two guys are probably familiar with Isaac Asimov's books. Um, this owes quite a lot to Asimov because Asimov wrote the screenplay for Fantastic Journey, mm-hmm. Fantastic Voyage, yep. yes. uh, where Ra- Raquel Welsh was injected into the bloodstream of, of uh, I think it was a United Nations diplomat, something along those lines. The idea was, you know, was was you very original at the time, and, and they've taken the same idea.
2: Yeah, I, I do. I really like the way that they put them in through the eye stick, because that's actually quite gory. Yeah. think going in through the eye, even though we know that it's a Dalek, but, and it's, it's not meant to
1: be fleshy or anything, but it's still quite a, <laughs> kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's one of those what one of those stories when um Doctor Who's always best when its roots are showing you know, it's um and we must talk about um this this episode was di- was directed by by Ben Wheatley right we must talk about how just how good it all looks It does it looks like a movie i mean the the scene when they when they're being shrunk the scene when you know all the the special effects scenes that start when the doctor rescues um Johnny Blue there's a real sort of cold clinical feel to the hospital space station sort of thing it's um don't you
0: wish they had these production values when they had Invisible Enemy. Anyway. Well,
1: oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's right, I and mean, that's 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 true. That's the other time the, the Doctor was sort of um maybe shrunk and injected. Yeah, if you pardon the expression, Ken, Kenny's Kenny's biting his lip. Everyone, you you can't see this, but Kenny's biting his lip. It's Kenny sh-
2: Saunders and his double entendres.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's you know as everyone everyone knows, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the Capaldi era. I. I, Dave, I like, not
0: not everyone knows that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like. I, I you know I like Capaldi a lot um and it's interesting this story kind of seeds some of the stuff that I that I kind of had a problem with you know it's they have obviously reacted to the fact that Clara was a bit of a, a blank slate in a lot of the episodes she was in with Matt so they're they're starting quite rightly they're starting to give her a bit more of a personality and a bit more of a you know of a story arc so, so we get Danny introduced who um ultimately pans out as being quite important to to the way the way that series develops. From what I remember, um, what what do we think of the doctor's sudden um, dislike of soldiers? I found that quite. I watching it again in prep. I was sort of um, I was reminded that I found that quite jarring because given you know, the doctor's really the doctor's relationship in the past with you know the unit soldiers and all that the unit lads and all that kind of thing. I kind of I kind of thought, where does this come from? Have, have they come up with this just so that they can create a bit of drama between the doctor and Danny? bit of conflict there that, that isn't necessarily there. The worst thing I felt about what ended up happening with Danny was that they, pl- they basically played it out a, tr- you know, a triangle relationship between them, which had already been done with the, the Matt Smith Doctor and Rory and Amy. I, ju- I just wish that the Doctor and Danny could have been friends. There's a
0: there's another narrative question I have about Danny. There's a scene I th- and uh, forgive me uh, it's been a while since I've watched the first season of, of Capaldi but there's one episode where, uh, we go to the far future, and a relative of Danny Pink yeah. is rescued. They bring him back. Orson the, Pink. Orson Pink, and they bring him. They rescue, him, essentially. Um, now, at that point, I assumed that when Danny died, Clara was already pregnant with his child, because how else? Would Orson Pink, have could there be a, a direct descendant of Danny Pink? Or he may have had a child with another woman.
1: We have to assume that because she wasn't pregnant. Or was Orson Pink wiped from existence because that was a change in the timeline? Because Danny wasn't. I can't. Was Danny? I don't know. I can't remember. Danny. He gets knocked down, doesn't he? Yeah, it it's, is, so, he, it's been so long. He gets a pedestrian.
2: It's a very a pedestrian death, <laughs> as, as it were. Has anybody? So if this is this is, probably, this is complete um, divergence, but um, it's very amusing. If you have the chance, go onto YouTube, and type in "Master Car." This is a series of fan videos where they take Anthony Ainley footage from the Destiny of the Doctor's Game driving around in a bubble car and just getting up to lots of general mischief and it's presented as a sitcom. But episode six is fantastic. It's got... What would happen if the master was driving along, as played by Anthony Ainley, in his bubble car and knocks down Danny Pink? <laughs> <laughs> and it's even got its own theme tune. He drives in a car and likes to be mean. Master car.
1: Watch <laughs> yeah. that one now, kids. I recommend it. Danny's narrative is 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 being established here. And what I mean, you know, what what do you two think of how that ultimately sort of um? What you, Tom, what what do you think about?
0: What the new series did right from their beginning was stuff that the old series, the classic series, never ever did. Never intended his personal life. Never got the Doctor involved in any kind of... uh, I don't mean romantic relationship, but never got him really having a relationship with his companions, really. Um, Not in any kind of meaningful sense. And the new season, because it's a new era, they obviously had to do that. You can't make drama in the the modern era without giving characters more dimensions than two. So obviously we had it with the relationship between Rose and Mickey... Uh, we had Martha's crush on the doctor, and now we've got a very intense relationship between Clara and and a and a colleague at school, and it it just rings true. I mean, you know, you you look at Clara and you think, well, obviously she's she's a young single girl. She's going to have relationships, um, and it's a fund, It's a one that's very fundamental to the story. That that scene at the beginning of Death in Heaven, where Clara is basically blackmailing the doctor to go back in time, to do what Rose wanted to do with the Doctor and save her father from being run over. Um, and we know all the consequences for that. And the Doctor refuses to go back in time and save Danny Pink. I mean, that was essential to the development of the relationship between Clara and the Doctor. In a sense, it didn't really matter who Danny Pink was. He was just the MacGuffin. He was the the mechanism by which Clara and the Doctor could reconcile that part of the relationship and move on to the next series. Uh, so I don't think it really mattered who Danny Pink was. He, he didn't do enough what in the series, as far as I can remember. Anyway, but I think it was an important thing for Clara's development and for their relationship. Or, alternatively, I'm reading far too much into a kid's programme.
2: Uh, who knows? I found it slightly unusual, the fact that we've got... If you want to be in the military, then your surname has got to be a <laughs> colour. So we've got Journey and Morgan Blue and Danny Pink. So maybe there's a good chance out there, if you're listening... Robert Brown, former MSP. That is a really poor joke. Was that one of
1: you?
0: that your joke? <coughs> any <us> joke, <laughs> any joke that involves name checking a Liberal Democrat member of the Scottish Parliament is former. not it's a, bit it, niche. a former one. No, not even a current <laughs> a one. Of a That's not going to fly. Some of our, our many, many audience members in, in the rest of the country. But anyway, there we are.
1: My fi- my feeling at the time was that, um, and it maybe got in the way. Of seeing what's what they were doing as you know, from what you were sort of saying at the time. My my feeling at the time was that a lot of Capaldi's first series to me felt like it wasn't it wasn't Doctor Who. The um the relationship between the Doctor and Clara was foregrounded to such an extent that I kind of felt it was getting in the way a little. Um <coughs> excuse me. It almost felt like watching a sitcom about a middle-aged man trying to, you know, have a relationship with his secretary and get annoyed about her boyfriend. <laughs> but you know, that's that. That was. I mean, I remember. It's 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 the one. To, it's the, it's. You know, watching into the Dalek has made me think. This is maybe time for me to revisit that series because at the time I progressively enjoyed it less and less as it went on because the dynamic and the whole thing had sort of shifted. But my, again, my feeling was that Danny was. He was set. I felt he was set up really well, and I couldn't understand where this thing with the Doctor disliking soldiers had come from. It would have been so much better if he. Engineered a situation where Danny had saved the Doctor's life And then the Doctor went, you know what, I'm wrong And they became friends That for me would have made everything that happened to Danny The way the series planned out That little bit more sort of tragic, you know See, I always regarded the
2: the whole dislike of the military As being a post-Time War thing Where obviously the Doctor has been fighting alongside Time Lord armies And he's just been sickened of the whole lot And then even when he meets the unit briefly In the Santaran stratagem and the Poison Sky it's not
1: that big a relationship with them. But it's yeah, but it's not you don't get any of the same sort of stuff from We from, from Davies doctor as you do from PCAP well, But year. I've got to at that point you know I mean
2: obviously he's he's revisited the time war and it's sort of probably has probably opened up some old wounds It's the way I've always right, interpreted right.
1: it. Right, uh, as so Matt, Martin and law. Yeah. You mean right. Okay. That probably that that could be it, yeah, I suppose. Well, I'm glad we've sorted that one out. <laughs> there we go, fans. We I'll, sort out your I'll continuity problems. It. Yeah. <laughs> I'll think on.
0: Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Power of Three podcast. Please visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. But for now, until the next episode, it's goodbye from me.
1: Bye-bye, Ross. Um, Be good. Mind how you go. Take care. <laughs> he drives in my car and likes to be mean.
0: Master
1: car. <laughs> I love you. I love you. No, not like that, not like it's automatic, not like it's how you and the phone call, the sign off, the pat on
2: the back. Uh, Clara? Know, I will never say those words again, not to anybody else, ever. Those words from me are yours now. Uh... And you're the last person who's ever gonna hear me say that.
1: <laughs> Hello? Uh. Yeah, who's this? Where's your sense of humor? <laughs>